part of the family of God. And I'm grateful for the Lord's kindness. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to begin our reading tonight in verse number 13. Or excuse me, verse number 14. And we're going to read down in the chapter 7, verse number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning our reading in verse number 14. The Bible says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth uh, with an infidel? What agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Of God, We've been preaching the last couple of Sunday nights on this subject of the doctrine of holiness. We have said the word holiness means to be set aside, to be pure, to be consecrated or set apart for a sacred use or service to God. We preached out of 1 Peter chapter 1 on the principle of holiness where the Lord said, But as He has called you, is, is holy. So be ye holy in all matter of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. There we see the character of God. God is holy. We see the calling of God. He has called us to be holy, called us in salvation. And since we've been saved, there is a command of God, So be ye holy, for I am holy. Last Sunday night, we preached out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 through 8, on the priority of holiness. We talked about the will of the Lord and the worth of our lives and the way we should live and that worldly lamentation, how we ought not to despise holiness. We ought not complain about it. It's hard living for the Lord because the Lord has given us two commands. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, the soul, and thy mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. If you'll keep those two commands, the other 613, the other moral law of God, you won't have any problem with. Of course, we understand we're not under the Jewish law. We're not under law. We're under grace. Amen. By the way, here's what that means. Being under law and not being under grace and not under the law means we're not trusting in the law for our salvation. Uh, we're not trusting what we do or what we don't do to get us to heaven, uh, but rather we're trusting in what the Lord has done for our eternal soul. Tonight, when we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I've alluded to these verses in both messages, but I wanted to take a message and preach from this text and use chapter 7, verse number 1 as the text and the thought where Paul says that we are perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, the word perfecting perfection or perfect scares people in the church to death. I have no idea why. I'm not, I don't know why people are scared of the word perfect, perfection, or perfecting. Uh, well, preacher, I'd hate for you to preach a sinless perfection. Oh, really? What, what would be wrong with going through a day and not committing a sin? Wouldn't that be a blessing? Now, it ain't going to happen. 
Because <laughs> you live in the flesh and you got to drive. Brother David Epps said he could live, be a whole lot more spiritual if he didn't have to drive so much. Amen. Uh, but we all have this flesh. But I'll tell you what we can do. We may not be sinless, but we can all sin less than what we do. This word perfecting, it means the state of being perfect or complete so that nothing is wanting to bring to an end or to accomplish. Some of you know what that word perfecting means. Here's what it gives the idea. Some of you, uh, you're good cooks, and maybe you have a special recipe you're working on, and you say, boy, I'm working on this recipe. I've almost got it where I want it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? What are you, you're perfecting that. Does that mean you've got it perfect? No, but you're heading that direction. You're working on it. You are grow. Here's what Peter said. We are to grow in grace. Amen. In other words, we are a working progress. Amen. Uh, we ought to be growing in our spiritual life. We ought not be where we was 10 years ago. And by God's grace, 10 years ago from now, oh, we ought to be further down the road than what we are right now. We are a working process. And Paul said that we ought to perfect holiness in the fear of God. So we've dealt with the principle of holiness. We've dealt with the priority of holiness. Tonight I want to preach on the perfecting of holiness. The perfecting. I read this, and I wouldn't. I will recommend this book. I don't recommend uh, the uh, other version of the Bible in this book. It's hard to find a book that's got, got all King James verses anyway. But it's, here's how you fix that. You just take your Bible with you, and when he quotes a verse, take your marker, mark through his verse, look at the verse in your Bible, and read on. There's a book I've been reading that called The Pursuit of Holiness by Jerry Bridges. This man is dead. He may be Reformed, Calvinistic in his doctrine. Uh, but he wrote this book on holiness I've been reading that really spurned this series. And he opened up his book with this illustration I want to read to you about holiness. Holiness is, is a process. Holiness is something we have to work at. Listen to what he said. He said, a farmer plows his field, sows the seed, fertilizes and cultivates the ground, all the while knowing that in the final analysis he is utterly dependent on forces outside of himself. What does that mean? Well, here's what he means by that. He knows that he cannot cause the seed to grow, nor can he produce the rain to fall from the sky. For a successful harvest, he has to depend on those things from God. Yet the farmer knows that he, he is useless if he is, excuse me, yet the farmer knows that, that unless he diligently pursues the responsibilities to plow, to plant, and to fertilize, and to cultivate, that he will, he cannot expect a harvest at harvest time. In a sense, the farmer is in a partnership with God. Farming is a joint venture between God and the farmer. The farmer cannot do what God must do. And God will not do what the farmer should do. We can say it just as accurately, Jerry Bridges went on to say, that the pursuit of holiness is a joint venture between God and the Christian. No one can attain any degree of holiness without God working in his life. But just as surely, no one will attain it without the effort on his own part. God has made it possible for, our, for us to walk in holiness. But he's given us the responsibility of walking. So, let's bring it all down to a sentence. 
That farmer can say, boy, I, want, I like to harvest some corn. I like to have some cucumbers. I like to have some potatoes. I like to have uh, whatever fruit you want to name. I like to have that. But if he sits in his house and he never gets to plow out of the barn and he never gets the seed out of the barn and he don't cultivate that ground, it can rain all day. The sun can shine. There ain't nothing coming up out of the ground. Of the sunshine and the rain, that's God's business. But it is the farmer's business to plow the field and to plant the seed and to cultivate the ground well I want to tell you God saved us he put the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of us the abilities on the inside God has done his part can I get an amen out of that but I got to do my part I got to plow the field I got to plant the seed I got to cut back the weeds somebody help me you know what I'm, you can pick up what I'm laying down amen God has done his part has he not so I've got to do my part I've got to perfect Holiness in my life. Perfecting holiness. Notice three things out of verse number one tonight about perfecting holiness. First of all, I want us to note the promises received. Look at verse seven, chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved... Now remember, the chapter and verse divisions were added later uh, for our uh, convenience, and thank God for that. But sometimes, if we're not careful, uh, we'll let, because chapter 6 ended, we'll think chapter 7 is talking about something else. Uh, no, 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 no. The context continues just like it does many times in the book of Corinthians. And so watch this in this text. In the previous verses, he has been talking about separation. Now watch this. First of all, notice the involvement in verse 14 of chapter 6 be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers he said you need to be careful who you get involved with you don't need to get involved with the wrong crowd amen he is talking about that yoke uh, we've preached about it uh, you're not supposed to plow an ox and an ass together we've, we've emphasized that uh, because one's clean one's unclean one walks different paces than the other one walks uh, what, they're both different sizes they're not going to work together thus the apostle Paul is saying you don't need to be yoked up with unbelievers that means young people you don't need to marry a lost person now I understand people's made a false profession got saved after they got married I understand that I'm talking about though if you're in church living for God you don't need to marry somebody that ain't in church ain't living for God I'll take it a step further I think Baptists ought to marry Baptists amen I think King James people ought to marry King James people amen uh, just so there ain't no strife in your home at the end uh, it's going to come up eventually and the man's going to give in at the end of the day every stinking time because most men are wimps can I get an amen there is the involvement the involvement. He said, you don't want to be yoked up. But I think that also goes to how we fellowship in the world. He talks about involvement, but he talks about inquiring. Verses 14 through 16. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement at the temple of God with idols. Paul uses some interesting words. Fellowship, communion, concord, agreement, and essential. They all mean the same thing. It talks about unity. It talks about having things in common. Hey, I'm telling you, before you got saved, you might have had some things in common with the world. Uh, but therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Those old things are passed away. And behold, all things are become new. Hey, why do you want to go back uh, to the cesspool of sin uh, that God pulled you out? 
proud of. I understand we ought to be a light. I understand we ought to be a testimony to those that are still on the outside. Oh, but we don't need a fellowship with them as far as having common. And talk about the good old days of sin. Because there ain't no good old days of sin. Of the ways will transgress your heart. Of the book of Proverbs said. And, and the Lord is saying, why in the world do you want to have fellowship with that crowd? Why do you want to go back to that? We often say God hates the sin but loves the sinner. And we emphasize the fact that God loves the sinner. And he does. But don't forget God hates sin. Everybody wants to say God hate the, hate the sin but don't hate the sinner. Well, we ain't got a problem hating the sinner. We got a problem hating the sin. Amen. Amen. He's in the inquiring. The inquiring. Then notice the identification. For ye are the temple of the living God. He said, hey. He didn't say hey, but hey, man. He's getting your attention. He said, you're the temple of God. You're not that anymore. We ought to take 30 seconds and shout and thank God we're not what we used to be, amen. We're not what we ought to be and we're not what we're going to be, but thank God we're not what we used to be. And Paul said, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't run with that crowd again. You're not that. I got you out of that. I took you out of darkness into life, or from death unto life, or from the tomb to the table. You're not what you used to be. Aren't you glad tonight that God saved you? Aren't you glad tonight that God changed you? So of your sin had a hard grip on you and sin had your life and you were enjoying it you didn't know there was anything wrong with what you was doing until the day God turned the light on and God showed you as a sinner and God showed you what you were and God saved you by his grace why do we want to go back to the dark notice the inspiration verse 16 as God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them I will be their God and they shall be my people. May I remind you, we're not called the people of Jesus like the hippies in the 70s. We're called the people of God. Amen, that's right. He's quoting Leviticus 20, 26, 12, where the Lord said, I will walk among you and will be your God, and you shall be my people. How about you? That's inspiring to me. That's encouraging to me. Of the fact that the God of all eternity, how that made everything we see, he'd want to have something to do with somebody like me, as sorry as I am, as wicked as I am, as ungodly as I am in my flesh. Oh, but he still wants to have fellowship with me. He wants to walk with me me he wants to commune with me y'all get a hold of this God wants to talk to you and God wants you to talk to him amen that's inspiring that's encouraging so notice the instruction verse 17 wherefore since God wants to walk with you come out get out of that get over here hey come here a minute come out from among them Biggie, who's that them? I saw them people he just mentioned in verses 13 through 16. Get out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. Did you know that separation is just as much a Bible doctrine as salvation is? 
Somebody says, well, I don't believe in the doctrine of separation. Then you don't believe in the doctrine of salvation because the whole purpose of salvation is for God to change a man and reconcile him to God. Man could not get to God because of his sin. And so God sent his son to Calvary who died and he rose again. He became the mediator. He became the media the reconciler. He became the daysman that reached up and grabbed deity by the hand, reached down the dumps and grabbed depravity by the hand and brought us together. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus did not die to leave you like he found you. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank God he offers a change. So, he said, get out of that. Come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. He'll say in Romans 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Did you miss that word? Holy. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God's just asking us to be reasonable. He says, just be reasonable. It's your reasonable service. Then he goes on to say, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Amen. By the renewing of your mind. You have to make your mind up. I don't want to live like that. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable. And but Sam would say, perfect will of God. Amen. What I'm saying tonight is that we ought to make up our mind oh, that I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want to go that direction. Hey, God's done the work. I'm saved. The Holy Spirit lives on me, but I gotta go plow the field. And I gotta go plant the seed. And I gotta go cut the weeds back, amen. I got to drive the birds away. I got to put up a picture of Eric Hadley in my yard so the ravens don't come. Amen. I'm just saying tonight, oh, we got to drive those things away. Just making sure you're awake, brother. Amen. Notice the incredible, verse 17 and 18. And I will receive you. And will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. How about you? That's incredible. Now, don't let this phrase... Amen. I feel like I feel good preaching. I'm, I'm almost halfway through my time, and I ain't halfway through my sermon. So I'm just gonna preach tonight. All right. Hey, he says, "I will receive you. I'll be a father." Now, don't let that father you bother you. Don't let that preacher. Is that teaching that I've got to separate before God will be my father? No. I will be a father to you. And you got saved. You got born again to the family of God. He is your father. But you know, you can have a father in relationship and not have fellowship. And I'm not picking up some of you. You have a daddy. But you ain't got no fellowship with him. For whatever reasons. And that's, I don't want to know. All right, that's your business. But you have a father. But because of something, and this ain't the part of the Lord, but it's something on his side or your side, there's a hindered relationship. I'm making that illustration here, okay? So the Lord said, if you come out and be separate, we can have some fellowship. I am your father. The relationship that y'all are looking at me like a calf staring at a new gate. Like, what is he talking about? All right. A father has a child. That is a relationship. But that father can walk out on them and leave them. And there ain't no fellowship. Or that youngin, just like the prodigal son, went to the far country and there wasn't no relationship or fellowship. So the Lord, oh, by the way, you know why the prodigal didn't have any fellowship with the father? Because he didn't come out. He didn't come out from among them. He went and sat in the hog pen and lived a wicked life. Well, I just don't understand why I ain't got no fellowship with the Lord. Have you came out? Have you come out from among them? Are you separate? 
No, we'd rather fellowship and commune and have concord with the world than have fellowship and communion with God. That's, that's the contrast in the text. He said, why do you want to fellowship with them? I want to fellowship with you. You want to hang out with the devil? You want to hang out with God? Amen. Well, preacher, when you put it like that, okay, you want to hang out with your cussing friends or you want to hang out with the church folks? Amen. It's the same principle. Same principle tonight. Amen. Come out from among them, but you separate. And I said, that's the promises received. God said, if you'll come out, I'll receive you. I'll receive you. What an amazing promise. The promises received. Number two, if you wanted to shout, you should have shouted on the first point. Okay, now we're going to preach. There's a, I'm going to preach to all of us. Preach, I'm going to preach to me, especially this one up here. Not Caden. He needs it, but I need it more than he does. Watch this. Promises received, but notice personal responsibility. Watch what he says. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. He says, all right, come out from among them. We got these promises now. We're shouting about these promises. Now cleanse yourself. Well, preacher, I tell you, Jesus washes my sins away. Oh, I know, I know that. I know that. The only problem with that is Paul said cleanse yourself. It's right there in black and white. He said cleanse yourselves. This involves recognition. We must understand that there are things we need to clean from our life. What is hindering your fellowship with the Lord? What is hindering you enjoying fellowship with the Father? The word filthiness means defilement or stain. You know, we, that word filthy, that's a strong word. We just want to say shortcoming. We want to say shortcomings. We, you know, we're not perfect. God said it's filthiness. Ain't it amazing how we want to dress up sin and make it sound nice? And God said it's filthiness. What has that sin done for you? Has it brought you peace, purity? Are you, is it making you a better Bible reader? Is it helping your prayer life? Is it helping you walk with God? What are you holding on to? What crowd are you running with? And by the way, let me say this too. There are some people that are saved and claim the name of God you still don't need to hang out with. They got dirty minds, tell dirty jokes, live half carnal, they're going to rub off on you. Amen? You preachers especially need to catch that. Amen. Because I'm telling you, there's some meetings I don't go to, fellas, just because of who's there. And I'm talking about preachers. Telling their dirty jokes and running their mouth. It's not good for my carnality. I got enough problems with me. I don't need them dumping their trash in my ear. Amen. Amen. Notice there's two areas to examine. He says, cleanse yourself from filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Flesh is outward. Amen. Spirit's inward. Amen. There's two areas. It involves recognition. What is that thing holding you up in your life? Hey, Amen. I'm not about coming out and being separate. Separation. It's amazing. Separation seems to be a dirty word in church now. I heard a preacher say the other night, now I know dress standards are, are it's, nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody wants to deal with that. That's a touchy subject. It shouldn't be a touchy subject. Come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord. Now I'm going to lose some of y'all right here. Just be glad I didn't put it on Facebook. I'd have started World War Seven. I don't hear nobody speak against Pride Month if you believe in women cross-dressing. Well, hallelujah. Pastor doesn't hit it right there. Because if you, you, if you don't have a problem with a woman wearing a pair of pants, then don't have a problem with a man wearing a dress. Cricket, cricket, you hear that? I think we got, a, we got something in the sound. We got something in the AC unit. I need to call our AC man. Amen. What I'm telling you, and, I, and by the way, 
I could preach on a bunch of other things, but it's amazing. Everybody gets pride month, but they run around half naked. Some of y'all look at all you dropped a quarter. <laughs> Amen. You should put all your change in the change on you wouldn't have dropped it. Amen. What I'm saying, and now some of you, you only pick up when I preach against that. That's the only time you ever say anything. That's, I promise that's not what you have a problem with. But you got, that's, that's flesh, so let's, let's cleanse yourself from the filthiness of the Spirit. Bad attitude you got. Pharisaical spirit, bad attitude. That's just as filthy as cross-dressing. Amen. Don't die on me when I preach on clothing. Just say amen or owe me. Amen. I'm talking about tonight. Hey, I, look, whatever you do, I understand that's your bit. You'll give an account to God. But everybody blew preachers up back at 50 and 60 years ago for preaching against that. And look where we're at today. At the end of the day, look where it's led us to. Can, will you not agree that, that that has led to that? Ladies, I ain't against you. I'm for you. My mother's a woman. My grandma's a woman. I married a woman. My daughter's a woman. I ain't against you. But you ought to consider those things. And men, you ought to consider that too. Quit running around with your shorts and your chain around your neck. Look with the three hairs super glued off the rear end of your German shepherd. Somebody help me. Amen. You ain't tough. Amen. I'm just telling you tonight, we ought to look like a Christian. Amen. We ought to look like a man. I, I went, I went, uh, I went somewhere, I went to the produce stand, bought some tomatoes the other day, and uh, I don't know why, I've been told this is a sodomite haircut. But everywhere I go, people say, military or policeman? I get asked that all the time. Got produce stand, said, are you military or policeman? I said, I'm actually a Baptist preacher. He said, oh. He said, well, that's a sharp haircut you got. Most people have a sharp haircut like that, or is he the military or policeman? I said, sir, I just believe in looking like a man. He said, amen to that. That's right. Amen. Brother Eric believes it so much, look at his haircut. Look at Tony's too. I mean, they really believe in looking like a man. Amen. <laughs> you used to hear preachers preach against the shame for a man to have long hair. Amen. You used to hear preachers preach against how a lady ought to dress, how a man ought to dress. Amen. I know it gets quiet on that. I know it gets quiet, but I'm just telling you, those older men years ago, they saw something coming down the road. And I'm waiting, for my, I'm waiting for those guys that called me a legalist for preaching against women wearing pants, and that's a sin. What you do is your business. Just like if you drink, I ain't right with God, I'm going to preach against it. Just like if you lie, I'm going to preach against it. Amen. Any other sin. But I wonder, if they go, I'm going to call them a legalist when they start preaching against men wearing dresses. Like you bunch of legalists. Put, putting laws on them poor men. Can't wear a dress. Bunch of stinking legalists. You don't love people. You don't love Jesus. Much meanie. I'm going to make a podcast about them. <laughs> Amen. That seems to be the thing now. <laughs> Whatever one thing means, I don't know what that's about. What I'm telling you tonight, what I'm telling you tonight is there's recognition, but then there's repentance. Once you recognize this area of my life. By the way, I could list 500 other things. That's just one I'm mad about this week. <laughs> and I wouldn't put it on Facebook because I'm trying to be a better Christian on Facebook. Apparently I'm not trying to be a better Christian in the pulpit, but I'm trying to be a better Christian on Facebook. Well, I'm telling you, when you realize there's an area of your life, whether it is dress standards, by the way, by the way, amen, your body's temple of the Holy Ghost. Preachers used to preach like this all the time. Did they not? Some of you old-timers. I said respectfully. They preach like this all the time. And they'd get worse than I am, Miss Janice. They would. I mean, they'd, they'd nail it tight. And you know what we had back in? We had respect. Had the touch of God in our services. Amen. It's bad, though, when I go to preach some places, when the choir gets up to sing, it's time to read the Bible. 
Amen. I saw a church today. Girl got up playing the piano. Skirt that high above her knee. Independent fundamental battle. Don't want to say nothing to hurt them. We got, we got standards, amen. Hey, let's just be honest. We're men around here. Ladies, amen. That's why we want the men, uh, you know, not be wearing skinny suits and all that. We want to look like men. We want to look like ladies. We want to be audible to God. Amen. This ain't your, that ain't your body. That's the Lord's body. He bought it. Amen. So what I'm saying tonight, when you realize there's an area where there's an outward thing, some of you smoking cigarettes, some of you, some of you dipping tobacco, some of you are listening to ungodly music, some of you are watching pornography, some of you are watching things, listening to things you shouldn't listen to, those are outward things. God points it out, repent of it. But then there's inward things, jealousy, greed, strife, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, malice, I can go on. God points those things out. Repent of them. Say, Lord, that's wrong. Whether it's something on the outward, something on the inward, repent of it. God, this is not right. Amen. I, I'm, at, I'm at my time, but let me just, I've got to hammer this in. I, I, there, there's, I believe there's help for us tonight. There's, it involves repentance. It involves recognition. It involves removal. You know what the sign of real repentance is? When you remove it. Warren Rearsby said, it's not enough for us to ask God to cleanse us. We must clean up our own lives and get rid of those things that makes it so easy for us to sin. Man, don't miss that. God, help me with this. And you don't get rid of it. We're not strong enough in temptation. You give temptation an opportunity, a chance to meet, we'll fall every time. So the Lord said, what the Lord is saying is you got to cleanse yourself. Remove it. Get rid of it. Get it out of the way. Amen. Y'all still okay? I know, I know, I know the young is, this, I, got, I got candy young is, just hang with me. I'm almost done. You know, uh, too often, boy, this helped me right here. Listen to this quote. Are you listen? If you don't get nothing else, say listen to this. Too often Christians deal with the symptoms and not the causes. We keep confessing the same old sins because we've not gotten to the root of the trouble and cleansed ourselves. Lord, I failed you again. Lord, I've done this wrong again. I slipped again. I've done this again. Lord, I'm asking you again. And thank God He's faithful and just forgive us. But you ever get tired of confessing the same thing over and over again? Anybody know what I'm talking about? How do, you, how do we cleanse? How do we get cleansed? Well, Ephesians 5 says that it's by the washing by the word. Psalm 119 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? How? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Victor, everybody wants victory. You ain't going to get victory over sin. Just walk in obedience. Hey, Amen. You know, there's cleansing in the blood. That's salvation. But there's cleansing in the Bible. That's sanctification. 1 Peter 1, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is brought into you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fast yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. That gird up, I'm, I'm hurrying, I'm, I'm hurrying, I'm sorry. Listen, that gird up gives the idea of what those men would do in the Orient. When they get ready to run, they'd pull up that robe. Why? They was making sure that they removed anything that caused them to trip. They'd get it out of their path. 
You know what we got to do in the pursuit of holiness and protecting holiness? Remove those things that we know is going to trip us up. If it's watching something that you're not supposed to watch, cancel the, the subscription. If it's listening to something you're not supposed to listen to, have some accountability. If it's where, if God's, and I'm, by the way, y'all not get rid of something called just because a preacher preached against it. That's not a bad reason, but y'all let God deal with your heart. Amen. Because if you just do it because the preacher said it, when the next preacher comes into town and he don't preach it as hard, you'll go right back to it. But if God puts it in your heart, it'll be a consistent thing. Amen. Is that not right? That's a good principle. Amen. But if God deals with something about wearing something, get rid of it. Don't leave it in the closet. God gets on you about a habit, get rid of that habit. Throw the cigarettes out. Get rid of the tobacco. Whatever it is, remove it out of your home. So the temptation's not there. Amen? As obedient children, gird up, gird up your mind. It also involves resolve. The word cleanse means to clean or to consecrate. Jonathan Edwards, one of the great preachers of the early American history, he had resolutions, over 90 resolutions. Here's one of them. I resolve never do anything that I'd be afraid to do if it were my last hour on earth. That's a pretty good principle to live by, ain't it? I don't want to do anything that I'd be ashamed of doing if it's my last hour on earth. You got to develop habits of holiness. Romans 6. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For ye have yielded your members of servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto uh, and to iniquity and iniquity, even so now, yield your members as servants of righteousness and the holiest. Listen to this quote. Y- y'all still with me? I, I know, I'm, 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 I'm trying to hurry. The more we say no to sin, the more we are inclined to say no. Therefore, in dependence on the Holy Spirit, we must systematically work at acquiring the, the habit of saying no to the sins that easily entangle us. Don't be discouraged by failure. There's a vast difference between falling or failing and being a failure. We become a failure when you give up and stop trying. But as long as we're working on those sinful habits, regardless how often we fail, we have not become a failure, and we can expect to see progress. In other words, you struggle with something, Lord, help me with this. I want to, give it, I want to get rid of it. You do good, you fall back in that trap. Don't say, well, ain't no hope for me. I'm just going to keep on doing it. No, Lord, help me. I really want to get over this. You know, on the highway, we got guardrails. You ought to put up some guardrails in your life. You know what guardrails are for? It says they can make the road safer and lessen the severity of crashes. The guardrail can operate to deflect the vehicle back on the roadway or bring it to a complete stop. You know what we need? We need some guardrails in our life spiritually. When we veer off, boom! No, that ain't right. I got to stay in this path. Boom! I don't know. No, when I veer off. And then last of all, let me give you this. I'm over my time. There's the Promises received, the personal responsibility. By the way, he said, let us. I cannot perfect holiness in your life. That's where a lot of preachers messed up years ago, thought they could regulate righteousness and tell people how to live and come, de- come dictate righteousness in their home. I can't tell you what to do at home. Now, I'm going to preach against it, but you've got to make the choice on how you're going to respond to it. Amen? So it's a personal responsibility. But then there's the proper reverence. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You know what I'm afraid of? And I've got a lot of things right here I can mention. But let me give you this. You know why You know why we struggle with holiness? You know why we struggle with sin? Because we have lost a view. I have lost a view of what my sin done to the Savior. We always talk about sin's going to destroy your life. 
what about the life of the Son of God? Can I read you some scriptures real quick before we go to the house? He is despised and rejected of men. Acquainted with sorrow, a man of sorrow is acquainted with grief. When we hid as it were our face from him, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded. Hold your hand up. Hold your hand up for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He has brought us a lamb to the slaughter, as the sheep for his shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He had put him to grief. I'll tell you, before we commit that sin, that habit, that thing, that thing we know is wrong, God's dealt with us, we ought to look back at Calvary. He done paid for that sin. Amen. He's done paid for it. So we're allowing something he paid for to rule our life. Meaning that we have more allegiance to that sin than we do the sacrifice that was paid on. I don't know if y'all are getting that or not. I'm telling you, it'd help, our, it'd help us with our sin if we get a fresh look at the cross and see what it done to Jesus Christ. We often pray, Brother Matthew, come on, that'll make them feel better. I'm, I'm, I apologize for preaching so long, but this is a burden I had to get out. I preach to young people, preach to church members, sin will destroy your life, sin will destroy your life, sin will destroy your life. Maybe we're doing the opposite. Maybe we ought to show them what... what